Hi, I'm Dr. Wamboi, and welcome to the Drag Chat. I think that the human body is intricately created, making us one of the most amazing living things on earth. In this podcast, we explore how the body works and then apply the drugs. My hope is that with this knowledge, we become better healthcare providers, whatever field of medicine you may be in, better caregivers to our patients or to ourselves. We do take medicines from time to time, don't we? All right, let's break it down. Hello, my podcast friends. I hope you guys are doing well. Uh, Today we have finished our exploration of the antiplatelet pathway, right? I'm sure you're excited. So we will look at two drug classes to close this out. Uh, That will be the protease activated receptor one antagonist. Yes, it's a mouthful, so we'll call it PAR, P-A-R-1. And the other two drugs we'll be talking about, they're usually listed as miscellaneous, but they work in a very similar way. And the drugs are dipredamol and salastazole. Let's start with the PAR1, the protease activated receptor 1 antagonist. They are also known as a thrombin receptor antagonist. And yes, you do remember thrombin. It's a major player in the coagulation cascade. In fact, it's the last enzyme in that cascade. And it works by converting fibrinogen into fibrin. And remember, fibrin is that uh, fibrin clot is a permanent plug when in the formation of a clot. However, um, this thrombin is working differently in this. We'll talk about it as we go on. So remember when there's a bleed, platelets are usually the first on the scene to make that temporary platelet plug, and they obviously need to get activated so that this can happen. So thrombin plays a role in activating these platelets. And thrombin's role is primarily mediated by the protease-activated receptor 1. It makes me wonder what other players are out there that are involved in making this happen. And who knows, maybe one of you is going to come up with the next cutting-edge therapy to block the activation of platelets. (laughs) Right? Okay. So the interaction between thrombin and platelets is made possible, like I said, or mediated by PAR1. It is, now PAR1, is a major thrombin receptor on platelets. It is found on other cells like the endothelial cells and smooth muscle cells, but we're having tunnel vision and only looking at how this happens on the platelets. And of course, I keep wondering how this amazing scientist even discovered that thrombin also plays a role in um, the activation of platelets. I keep telling you, these bodies of ours are so amazing, how everything is so interconnected, how we're such a well-oiled machine. And then again, maybe I am biased. I'm one of those species, so I'm thinking we are amazing, right? Okay, all right, back, let's go back, let's go back. Enter the drugs protease-activated receptor 1 antagonist. So what they do, they inhibit the thrombin from activating the platelets. How, you ask? They block the receptor, right? So 
where the where the two meet the thrombin goes into the platelet the receptor where it attaches to this drug goes and blocks that that way there's no there's no access right so when there's no access the thrombin cannot activate the platelet. And if the thrombin cannot activate the platelet, then the platelet will not be able to form a plug, which is, I mean, a clot, which is what we want, okay? Interestingly, this drug will block thrombin from activating the platelet, but that doesn't stop thrombin from doing its other duties of the coagulation cascade. So this drug has no effect on anything else the thrombin does in your body. Remember, thrombin is a multitasker. It has side hustle jobs. And one of the side hustle jobs is to activate the platelets. So this drug will only work with uh, blocking thrombin when it comes to the platelet. It doesn't care about what all other things that thrombin does in your body. There's only one drug in this class, and it's called Vorapaxar. And uh, it came around 2014, and it's an oral drug and selective for PAR1. You know, the PAR2s, PAR3s, all those other things, it doesn't care. It's only selective for the protease activated receptor 1, because that's where it goes in box, right? It is indicated, the indication is important. Okay, so it is indicated for thrombotic cardiovascular events could occur in patients with a history of MI or uh, MI and the peripheral arterial disease, okay? But there's a caveat. These two patients with a history of MI and uh, peripheral arterial disease, PAD, without history of stroke or a TIA, the transient ischemic attack. Because remember when we started talking about this antiplatelets, we had started off with strokes. So this one can only be used in uh, people who've had an MI or uh, PAD without history of stroke or transient ischemic attacks, the TIAs. Usu you will also usually only see it given in combination with aspirin and or Clopidogrel. You will not see Voraxapar given alone. So it's not give, it's only given with those uh, with other drugs, it's not given alone. When it comes to how it behaves once it gets in your body, uh, it's almost it's rapidly and almost completely absorbed by your gastrointestinal tract. It can be given without consideration of meals because food doesn't affect its absorption significantly, so it's okay. Okay. It's metabolized by CYP450 enzymes in your liver, specifically 3A4, and I can see your brain now. It has lit up going ding, 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 drug interactions, especially because of that 3A4, right? So when a patient in the, is on Vorapaxar, make sure you check what are the drugs that they are on for the drug-drug interactions, especially with that 3A4, you know you will find it everywhere, correct? Uh, it's all, and it's, the, the drug is mainly excreted or eliminated by the feces. When it comes to the common side effects or adverse drug re, uh, reactions, you'll see headache, fatigue, easy bruising. And by easy bruising, I say things, I mean things like nosebleeds, okay? Which makes sense since the work it's doing is to make sure clots do not happen, right? So those are the things to look out for when on this drug. 
And remember, it's never given alone. It's in combination with, because uh, I don't even think it was studied alone. I think it was always studied in combination with. Drug-drug uh, interactions, that CYP3A4 is a big deal, so make sure of that. And the good thing is that it doesn't matter with or without food. All right? So that is Vorapaxar, the protein, the PAR1 inhibitor or antagonist. So the last two drugs, sometimes you'll see them listed under a class called miscellaneous. I guess they just didn't know where to put them. <laughs> so it's the dipredamol and salastazole. Let me start with dipredamol. It works by inhibiting the work of two enzymes, phosphodiesterase and adenosine deaminase. While salastazole, on the hand, other hand, only inhibits that phosphodiesterase. Okay, so dipredamol, it's two enzymes, phosphodiesterase and adenosine deaminase. Salastazole inhibits phosphodiesterase, the PDE. Now, why is this important? Why do we care? On a normal working day, these enzymes are involved in the degradation of cyclic AMP and cyclic GMP, right? So on a normal working day, that's what those enzymes do. They degrade them. So if you block these enzymes, what happens to these cyclics? They don't get de degraded. And if they don't get degraded, then they are increased. And you'll find them in platelets. They are increased. There are too many of them because none of them were told to go away, were degraded. And when the amounts of these cyclics increase in the platelets, it inhibits the step in the formation of the clot called aggregation. So the platelets will not be able to aggregate in the formation of the clot. And the thing that's making this not happen is because this cyclics EMP and GMP are too many. And why is this thing too many? Because the enzymes that work to degrade them have been inhibited. The phosphodiesterase and adenosine deaminase. All right. You will see the predimol dipredamol used in thromboembolism prophylaxis, especially in the mechanical valve replacement. You will see it used as an adjunct to other anticoagulants and prophylaxis in secondary stroke. So you'll see this ones in stroke patients. Most common um, ADR or side effect reported will be chest pain, angina exacerbation, headache, fatigue, sweating, because besides uh, making sure aggregation doesn't happen, dipredamol also causes vasodilation, all right? It is metabolized by the liver, but not using the sip. It's actually metabolized by the liver to glue, glucuronic acid conjugate, and it's excreted by the bile. So a lot of liver things happening with dipredamol. Salastazole is absorbed after oral administration. Now, interestingly, with this one, if you eat a high-fat meal, it increases the, the, the absorption of the drug. That is salastazole. Uh, the absorption is increased by a high-fat meal. Now, when it comes to metabolism, it is metabolized by CYP450, mainly which one? 
3A4 with a less extent of 2C19. So there goes your brain again. Ding, 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 ding. Drug interactions, check them out. Make sure this is not a problem with whatever else the patient is on. Um, this one is excreted via urine predominantly as opposed to the feces of the dipredomol. So it's um, predominantly urine. And it's you, you'll see the celestazole, the many times you'll see it used uh, clinically would be to treat intermittent claudication. Yeah, and claudications is just a fancy way of saying pain in the legs or arms um, because of which is caused by too little blood flow to the arms and the legs. So not enough blood flow to your arms and legs, so you get pain and it's called claudication. That's a fancy way of saying it, all right? And this is probably because you, the patient has peripheral vascular disease. You'll also see it used in secondary prevention in patients with a history of the uh, TIAs, the transient ischemic attacks, or uh, ischemic stroke. Uh, and so, so you'll see it in those kinds of patients too. So those, that's the end of our antiplatelet pathway. Today we looked at two different drug classes, the protease activated receptor 1 antagonist, and the drug in that class is vorapaxar, and uh, what we call miscellaneous, but maybe you can see how it also inhibits the nucleoside. It can also be called nucleoside inhibitors or inhibitors of the phosphodiesterase enzyme and is blocking the aggregation of the platelets. So those are our antiplatelets. I am sure you're going to enjoy this and we will see you soon. Bye. I am Dr. Wamboy and thanks for listening to this episode of The Drug Chat. If you haven't already, Go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And remember to share with your friends. Until next time, stay inquisitive. Bye.